0: of any firehouse across the city of new york is the kitchen table it's where we break bread break balls and break everything in between they say all the world's problems can be solved at a firehouse kitchen table i don't know how true that is but what i do know it's what i miss the most Welcome to episode one of The Kitchen Table. I am Kenny, and I am a retired New York City fireman. Career, first responder, law enforcement experience, military, this podcast is geared toward, but not necessarily totally for, first responders, how to deal with mental health, how I've dealt with mental health, stress, fear, depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide, and all that comes along with the shit that you see as a first responder. The calls we go to, especially in the city of New York, but all over the country, all over the world, first responders are a dime a dozen, but we're a special breed. And you're not always prepared for the shit that you see on a day-to-day basis. And it affects with you mentally, and for some physically, with all sorts of ailments that we'll get into. These are just my stories. I need to talk about them. I miss the kitchen table. The kitchen table was my therapy. don't go to therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist, the grief counselor. I am none of the above. I'm just a guy who likes to talk, needs to talk because it always made me feel better. And being at that kitchen table with the brothers and talking about the shit that we've seen and talking about my feelings and talking about how I'm doing or how they're doing or their families or what we've been through or the fire that we seen or how tough it was always, without me knowing it, made me feel better. The, the laughs that we had, the jokes that we said, the talking fire, talking shit, talking about one another, it was my therapy. And I didn't even realize it. And that's truly, truly, truly what I miss the most. So, that's why I'm bringing this to you. This is much, this podcast is just much for me, as I hope it is for you or anybody else who's struggling with mental health. And I wanna gear it towards putting that stigma of mental health, of not talking about it and keeping it inside, putting that away, because that's all bullshit. Anyway, I'll give you a quick background of myself. Like I said, I'm a retired New York City Fireman, but at 17, I joined the Navy from 91 to 95 I got out of the Navy and I got on the United States park police. And I did that from 1996 to 2002. And then post nine 11, I got on the federal air marshals. I was an air marshal from 2002 to September of 2003, two years after nine 11, I got on the New York city fire department. My dream its what I've always wanted to be. It's what I've always wanted to do. I have achieved that dream. And I did 18 and a half years on the New York city fire department bought back a bought back a few years of military time combined that did 21 and a half years retired about a year and a half ago because I was done I was exhausted I was burned out I had it the running from 59 engine 30 truck one of the busiest companies in the city always up there in the top 5 top 10 for runs ran all night long all the time my body was getting affected my mind was getting affected I just had enough what I wanted to do what I loved more than anything in the world what I loved more than anything Was actually being in there and fighting the fire that job to me was all about fighting fire. I Can't tell you how much I loved it the the heat the smoke the fire the chaos the guys the Just the whole thing it, the Fear the nerves everything. I loved stretching hose lines and putting water on fire. It was What I loved the most And I knew it was time to retire when I didn't love that anymore. And that was a hard thing for me to, to deal with. It was like breaking up. It was like getting divorced, I guess. I've never been divorced. I'm married almost 20 years. I have two children. That's must be what it feels like if you love someone and they leave you. I just didn't love it anymore. So I figured it was time to retire. I was ready. A lot of guys don't have that chance. I went out on my own terms. A lot of guys on this job don't have that opportunity. A lot of guys get sick, they get hurt. They don't wanna leave the job and they're forced out because of injury and illness and they don't get to leave on their terms and they have a a lot harder time dealing with retirement and not being on the job anymore and not being at the kitchen table and not being with the brothers. Yes, you go to some events here and there And you see the guys, or you can text them, you could call them, but it's not the same as going to the firehouse day to day and sitting at the table and just having a fucking blast. I mean, listen, there are days where you can go to the table and be happy and they'll just break you down. But there are days, most days, you go to the table and you're having a bad day. And I change the tours at nine o'clock in the morning when we're all drinking coffee and the guys are coming in and the guys are going home. The guys are getting up from a night tour and maybe they caught a fire and we just start breaking balls. That was my favorite time of day in the firehouse was from 6am to 9am in the kitchen period, the end. So what I'm going to get into right now is a story about a very bad incident that happened to me and my friends when I was in the Federal Police Academy, Fletzy. This episode is titled, From Fletzy to the FDNY, Triumph Over Tragedy. And this is how my mental health issues started, I believe. It's a story about survivor's guilt and stress and thoughts of suicide and how I got to this point. Each episode will bring a different story Hopefully we laugh, hopefully we cry, hopefully, hopefully something that I say resonates with someone out there who's going through something, who's been through something, who knows what we've been through, who might go through something in the future, who knows somebody who's been through it or going through it and wants to help them. Maybe something I do or say can help you. My whole life I've worn a uniform. My whole life I've had a purpose in the military, as a cop, as a fireman, I've always had purpose. I've always had a mission, as a military guy would say. 20-year military guys, you'll hear them. They get out of the military, they retire, and they, they're lost. That's why there's veterans. Veteran suicide is, what, one out of every 22 or something like that? It's horrible. These guys don't have a mission anymore, and they don't know how to deal with it. That's for further, another episode. Maybe I'll get some veterans on who know people who've done that. I know a veteran who, who've killed himself. I didn't know him that well, but I knew him a little bit, but that's down the road. Retiring for the first time in my life, I've worn a uniform since first grade. I went to Catholic school in Brooklyn, Catholic high school, put on a uniform in the military, put on a uniform as a cop, put on a uniform as the fire department. And for the first time in my life as almost a 50 year old man. I'm 50 now. But when I retired, I wasn't, I was 49 not having a uniform anymore and not having a mission, not having a purpose. My purpose was always to help others, to assist people, to protect and serve. I didn't have that anymore in retirement. And I was lost. I didn't necessarily miss going to work or or fires or the firehouse. The kitchen table missing came a little later. I missed having a mission, having a routine, getting up, having the discipline, going to work every day, having a job, basically having a job and putting the uniform on and having a purpose. I didn't have that anymore. That fucked with my head big time. And this story that I'm gonna tell you of mental health and my stress and my depression and my anxiety, has stuck with me through my whole life, since then. And that continued in retirement. I keep a daily process every day to keep my mind off of shit because my mind can wander when I'm not doing anything. And it's difficult to keep a process. But that discipline and keeping that process every day by working out, eating right, doing all the shit, keeps my mind off of stuff. So retirement, my mind had time to wander until I started doing other stuff. And this is keeping my mind off shit. This is helping me talk. This is therapy for me. Just like the kitchen table, this is therapy for me. All right, so let's get into this story. 1996, I'm 22 years old, right? I'm in Fletzi. Glen County, Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, FLETC, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, training to be a United States Park Police Officer. United States Park Police has a rich history. One of the first uniformed law enforcement agencies, federal law enforcement agencies, back in the 1700s. George Washington made them. Rich in history. I had never heard of them before. I got out of the military, saw this job on, took the test, it was federal, I figured, oh, I'll become a cop before I become a fireman, get my time in, I gotta wait to take the fireman test, I'll get on this job. Great, I'm young, fresh out of the military, ready to go, get hired by the United States Park Police, go down to Fletsy, and we're training. I have a tribe, I have a team, meeting the greatest guys, bonding, having fun in Georgia, living in dorms, just partying on the weekends, having fun, just learning how to be a cop, putting that uniform on, having pride. It was great, it was great. Building relationships, getting closer to guys. We used to go out on the weekends down to St. Simons Island, Jekyll Island. Anybody who's been down there knows. Anybody, any any federal law enforcement agency guys, watch this, you'll know Fletzi and you'll know St. Simons Island. Shit, that was almost, Almost 30 years ago? I don't know. Things might've changed, but back then, that was the place to be, St. Simons. There was a bar on the base that we'd go to as well. We called it the G Club, (laughs) because it was all guys. G Club, get it? Anyway, one particular night, we were going out to town, have dinner, maybe have a couple of drinks, but we were very, very responsible. We always had a designated driver Someone always stepped up who partied the night before and said, I'll step up and not drink tonight this way. Everybody gets home safely. We always had two, maybe three carloads of us. Our our academy class was, I think, 22. We always had two or three carloads of us going out. We all were together. So a couple people wouldn't drink so we could get everybody home safely and not get jammed up and not get anybody killed. This was one of those nights where it was my turn to drive. I had partied the night before. All right, I'm stepping up, raising my hand, ready to go. Come out, getting in the car, and my buddy says, ah, I'm gonna drive tonight. I go, come on, bro, it's my my turn. You you drove last night. I'll drive tonight. Nah, Kenny, it's all it's all good. I'm gonna drive. It was his car anyway. So a little little back and forth. I didn't put up much of a fight because fuck, (laughs) he doesn't want to drink. I love partying. At the time, I'm in. Fuck it, man, you got it. Your car, let's go. I jump in shotgun, he's driving. So we're driving down the causeway and we're bullshitting a little bit. Got the radio on, two buddies in the back. Typical normal night that we were spending in Glen County, Georgia, going down to St. Simons Island to decompress, let loose, have some fun. As we're driving, I could see headlights coming the other way. Now, the causeway at the time, I believe it was two lanes going south, two lanes going north, separated only by a double yellow line. There was no barricades in between. So I could see headlights coming the other way. High rate of speed, two sets of headlights, zipping in and out of traffic. Didn't think anything of it, I'm just like two fucking assholes speeding. So I said to my buddy, the last thing I said to him was, car's dirty, bro. We gotta clean this car. And he looked down and said, yeah, yeah, we do have to clean this car, it is dirty. And then the headlights got closer, One set of headlights jumped into our lane. We're heading in, they tried to swerve back into their lane and we hit them head on, full speed. I don't know, we must have been doing 55, 60 miles an hour. They must have been doing 80, 85. We T-boned them head on. We were head on, we T-boned them. We cut their car in half. We flipped over onto the roof of our car and slid about another hundred feet we cut their car in half and they spun who knows a few hundred feet as well the impact of that accident uh, I've never been in combat but it felt like a bomb went off in our car I blacked out probably for a a second or two turns out I hit the windshield the two guys in the back were banged up really bad my buddy driving hit the post of his vehicle, which their vehicle, when we hit their car, it smashed into the windshield of our car and his head hit the, the divider of the windshield and the, the car door. Like I said, we flipped over and skidded about a hundred feet. We cut their car in half. A kid in the backseat of that car was found 275 feet away from the point of impact, he was dead. My buddy Rich wasn't dead initially. He'd fractured his skull and was bleeding out. We were upside down. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I get dragged out, the guys in the back get dragged out. Car car behind us was a carload of us, our friends. They get out, they must've dragged us out. Next thing you know, I'm in the back of an ambulance. We're all in, cops, firemen. I don't know how they got Richard. I don't know how they got him out. But I remember the nurse saying that he was saying, I'm getting married, I'm getting married. He was getting married. He had his wedding planned. We were all gonna be in the wedding party because we had all gotten that close. He lived, they kept him alive another couple of days so they could bring his family down to say goodbye and do rites. <clears throat> he, he eventually died a couple of days later. His wounds were, his head wound was, was too severe. They just kept him alive. He was essentially dead. His family comes down, we had a memorial service. Anyway, that was up to that point, the most impactful thing that I've that's ever happened to me in my life. Because not only just losing my friend Rich, I was supposed to be driving. So now I had not only sorrow for him and his family and us as a group, the survivor's guilt, because why it should have been me. Why was I kept alive and not him? He had everything going for him. He was going to be a cop. He was getting married. He was going to start a family. Great guy. Why was he taken and not me? So that started a two year, at least minimum, about a year and a half, two years of complete depression, suicide. Thoughts of suicide. I never saw a counselor, I never saw a therapist, I never saw a psychiatrist. I dealt with it quietly to myself, which was the wrong thing to do. But I I was a man, I wasn't a fucking pussy. That's how I thought about it. And that's wrong. I didn't know how I didn't know how else to deal with it, so I I kept quiet, and it affected my brain, my mental health, and it affected me physically. Not only was I just a zombie through life, I was still going to work, I was still doing all the stuff I was supposed to do, but every single day I thought about that. I still think about that 30 years later. Every day it crosses my mind that that incident happened. I can't tell you there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that. That's why every day is a gift. Every day you wake up is a gift. Even if you had a shitty day yesterday, today is a new day. Today's a new day to start something, to accomplish something, to do something new, to get through those hard times. Every day is a gift that you wake up. So the accident happens and we graduate the academy a month later, and probably the worst thing that could possibly happen is graduating a police academy and getting a gun when I am suicidal. They gave me a gun. <laughs> here you go, fucking blow your head off, is what I thought. That's what I thought I was gonna do, eventually. Until I had a, got up enough guts to do it. Well, I'm here, I didn't do it, but I wanted to. Every, every day I thought of why not? And then I thought of my mother and my family and how that would affect them and I couldn't do that to them. But there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't go to bed praying to God that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. I was drinking way too much to deal with it, to numb the pain. I was doing the stupidest shit when I was drinking, driving my car, 140 150 miles an hour in the middle of the night hoping and praying I would get into an accident and just fucking die and that would be the end of it I couldn't bring myself to actually shoot myself in the head but I was hoping that I would not wake up in the morning or some something would happen to me where I would just not be here anymore it affected me so bad not only did it affect me mentally, but it affected me physically. The drinking was out of control. My, I was gaining weight, I was weak, I, was, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was a fucking complete disaster. Another way that it affected me was I was unable to perform with a woman Sexually, if you get what I'm saying, for close to a year and a half. Imagine that being 22 years old and not being able to perform with a woman. That tr- fucking made things a thousand times worse. Unfucking real. I cannot tell you what it's like to, I can't explain. It. 22 years old at the, my peak and not being able to do anything. Eventually that would go away. Don't well, fucking, you know, everything is fine now in that department. But at the time, it was, it. I felt like less of a man than I ever thought that I could. It was so embarrassing. I didn't tell fucking anybody. A few people knew My best friend at the time knew, but I chalked it up to, oh, I must have been drinking too much, or I must, I was a complete disaster. It was awful. I don't know how I got through those times, but I did. And if anybody else is struggling out there, or if if this story resonates with anyone, you've been through something, you're here now, you got through it. However you got through it, you did. I did I'm here so but it wasn't easy I don't know what I was looking forward to I don't know I just was going through life hoping that it would end but it didn't God kept me here for a reason everything happens for a reason the universe always comes back eventually you get out of that stuff and you know, so I'm gonna keep looking down at some notes here because I can edit this video. One of the things that I, want, I wanted to say was I wanted to be as transparent and honest as I possibly could on this podcast. I think that goes a long way. I think that will resonate with some people, whoever's going through something. If you could be open and honest and admit shit that is very hard to admit, I think people appreciate that. Like I said, I'm nobody special. I'm just a guy, a career first responder with a story. There are millions of stories out there. Everyone has one. Everybody has a story. This is just mine. This is just my way of getting it out there, telling people maybe I can help somebody. Maybe when the episodes come along and we get all the kinks out, we get people on here and we'll laugh and we'll have fun. We'll still gear towards how people deal with certain situations. And if they kept it inside or whatever, but that's what this is all about. Me talking to you and building a tribe, building another community of people who have dealt with difficult shit. You don't even have to have been a first responder. You could have just been somebody who had a rough life growing up, and you, you're a fucking accountant, or you're you work at fucking Burger King, or so who cares? Something that you've struggled with, something that happened to you that you've had a hard time dealing with that you've never told anybody or that you're getting therapy for. I just don't have that therapy anymore at the kitchen table. That was my therapy. Now me talking to you is my therapy. Me getting this off my chest. I don't know how it's going to resonate. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know how I'm going to look on fucking camera or how I'm going to sound on the podcast, but this will help me. Hopefully it helps somebody out there. Let's look at some notes. I don't have a script but I wrote down lots of shit. Let's see what we got. Maybe. So this whole time, I'm still waiting for the fire department, right? I take the fire department test in 1999. That'll that'll be for another show, but I become a fireman finally in 2003 after seven and a half years of federal law enforcement service time. I've achieved my dream. I overcame that tragedy. I will never forget it. I'll never forget that tragedy. But the depression, the thoughts of suicide, everything eased. I worked through it. I dealt with it. I overcame it. And now my triumph, tragedy to triumph, is achieving my goal of becoming a New York City Fireman, FDNY, my dream has come true and everything I am looking forward to everything in my life. The confidence that I gained after the park police, on the air marshals, and to the FDNY, things are looking good now for me. Not to say things don't get bad again, because they do as a first responder, you deal with some shit, but things right now at this point, how I got to this point are looking good for me. So that should be it for today. Let's see if i missed anything. I didn't really miss anything for today. I think that's all I'm going to talk about today. We'll get some stories going from the park police, some tragic stories that fucked with me. We'll get some stories from the air marshals. I don't have any tragic stories from, from that, but I have some fun stories, but most, of, most of the tough, stressful, tragic stories, In my experience are with the FDNY and the shit that we've seen and the shit that I've seen in Harlem and that we've all had to deal with and cops, firemen, paramedics, military have all had to deal with, whether it's combat, a shooting as a cop, dealing with the death of kids as a paramedic or tragic fires as a fireman or anything you've been through or anything anyone has been through. We'll get through this together. I'm going to put a couple of links in the bio for nonprofits. If you ever want to donate, it's friends of firefighters. It's a nonprofit helps firemen deal with mental health issues. It's a great nonprofit organization. It's free to firemen and possibly other first responders as well. You just got to look, look into it. Friends of firefighters, another charity I'd like to talk about, not talk about, but if you guys want to donate, it's called Tomahawk charitable solutions. I'll put that in the link as well. That's run and operated nonprofit by special forces military guys who help other military guys and their families with anything, whatever meets their criteria. So Friends of Firefighters and Tomahawk Charitable Solutions. That's it for today. The Kitchen Table, episode one, got through it. You got through it with me. Something that we always like to say in the firehouse, it must be true if you heard it at the kitchen table. And we'll see you at the big one.